You're listening to Father Figuring, the podcast about a daughter on the quest of figuring out her father, the good, the bad, and everything in between. This is your host, Katherine Cat Carter. Now let's get to figuring. Hi everyone, this is your host, Katherine Carter, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of Father Figuring. Thank you. Um, this episode is entitled, if you didn't peep the description, uh, the episode is entitled The Last Black Man in Lubbock, Texas. And shout out to my sister, Christina, for coming up with the name for this episode. Um, as a riff off of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And it's, I can't really comment on the movie. I did choose it on a, as an in-flight movie. I, I fell asleep. But Obama loves it. So there you go. It was on his list. So, you know, watch it. Support black art. So with that, it is February. And February, of course, is Black History Month. And so this episode, I really wanted to ask and get to know more about my dad in terms of him being a black man navigating very white spaces. I Googled it, and my dad is not the only black man in Lubbock, Texas, but of the population, only about like 8% of the people in Lubbock, Texas are black. So much less than I've ever had to live in in any city, except for a very brief stint in like Dublin, Ohio. But outside of that, um, I just find it very interesting that he's had to spend so much of his time in an environment that he was just like really like the only or very one of few um, or really the only in a lot of it. So I thought that was interesting. He has a lot of interesting stories along the way, and I think that you will find um, them to be quite entertaining and hopefully you'll get some nuggets um, and maybe there's just something that you can relate to as he kind of tells his stories. I know that. There were definitely aspects I could relate to. So, oh, and also there's some like little bonus treats along the way. Like we find out that, or I find out that my dad has some fire ass Valentine's Day plans and um, I don't. So that, that was humbling. And then I find out that, let's just say this, if your mother or your grandmother if she went to prayer view at like towards the end of the 60s to early 70s and you mentioned the name Will Carter and if she goes back to a place a place of anger a place of disdain a place of shame tell her that I said and that he said we're sorry we're sorry he did not know better. Uh, so, yeah, I basically find out that my dad was out here in these streets, like, doing the absolute most. And then, lastly, I think if you if you remember or recall in episode one, he talks about getting a gun pulled on him um, out in East Texas. So, we'll find out the scoop and get more context around what the hell that was all about. So, yeah, tune in. This is a good one. It's entertaining. You'll laugh. All of that. Um, so yeah, yeah. Grab a drink. We're drinking. I had plenty of wine. So if I start sounding a little slurred towards the second half of the episode, my bad. 
Um, but I think I kept it together and I think he did too. So sit back, enjoy, and thank you again. One other quick side note. Um, we get some echoiness with my side during this episode, especially in like part two. I think it happens in part one. So my bad y'all, but y'all just got to deal with it because uh, <laughs> it's just good content. So we're not going to re-record it, but, uh, so sorry about that. I will try to figure out what caused that so it doesn't happen again. All right, now enjoy. Okay, hello everyone. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Father Figuring. This is your host, Catherine Cat Carter, and I am joined by my dad, Will Carter. Say hello. Hi, baby. Hello, hello. Happy hump day. Oh, and then Gunner. Sounds like Gunner's in the background, your dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he he wants to go outside. Mm. Should you, you want to you yeah, do that? Yeah, go well, ahead. He, yeah, okay. Split, you put a pause This on. is going to be kept in the episode, but yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it might have taken a little longer. No, no, it's cool. All right, we're back at it. Um, Gunner, Gunner is free. So it's February. Mm-hmm. And February, of course, is Black History Month. So we'll be talking about like you navigating different spaces as a Black man. Because um, I think you have a lot of interesting stories. But before we get all on that and get all deep and whatnot... Um, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a scotch that, uh, I tried the other day. It's called Wolfburn. So anyway, that's, that's yeah. what I'm trying. And Does it- it's, uh, it's very, it's very light, very, uh, mellow, uh, really great taste. Yeah. Mm, smooth. I wasn't expecting that with the name Wolfburn. So yeah, that's uh that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> does not it. live up to the, does not live up to his name. Love it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I am um I'm actually trying to like not have wine in the house as much as like I used to because I could really throw back some wine. Uh but a recipe, mm-hmm. um, a recipe recently required some white wine. So I mm-hmm. have um some random one and a half liter of wine, Caitlin Vineyard of of white Chardonnay, okay. Central Central Valley, Central to what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Chile, it's you know. Oh, Chilean. Chilean wine is pretty good. I understand. In fact, I went to, when I went to Chile. Um, I did partake in some vineyards. So, oh, really? It was all right, though. It was just yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, so that's good. So how's your how's your week been since the last time? We uh, well, uh, that's a good question. A week's been fine. We got some snow here. Mm-hmm. I can uh, I can send you some pictures. I, in fact, I was going to send you some pictures of the outdoors. Uh, you saw the house inside. I was, was going to send you a, uh, uh, pictures of a snow laden roof and front yard. So I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just message that over to you later on. Can't uh, wait for that footage. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Okay, you can even sell tickets for that. Oh. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, 
But uh, no, it's you know it's the first of a new month, and you know mm-hmm. starting all over again. And mm-hmm. you know, my business, the way it works, you know, you start all over. You started net income zero, and you you go from there. But uh, I, you know, uh, I've I've worked with a salaried job for golly, right out of college for twelve years, and then I've done this for the past oh gee since nineteen eighty five. So. During that period of time, I, I guess if I compare the two, I'd prefer the excitement of working straight commissions. That's really, yeah, it's a little more iffy, but it gets your heart beating, makes you. Uh, but when you when when you have a successful p- period of time, and then that's where the excitement starts, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no cap to what you can make, but then again, there's no bottom either. In the basement, you could go below down to the basement on some some months. As a matter of fact, I've got a couple of paychecks that have zeros on them. Oh. I keep those as as inspirations. And, <laughs> but wait, who who is making out a check to you uh, for zero? Like, how does that happen? Like, why do you get? Oh, a check? oh this is years ago. Yeah, years ago when I worked for another firm. This was back in the. Uh, Back in the late '90s, and when I was trans, just before I transitioned, uh, I was moving my business over. I actually got a check for zero point zero zero. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that is rough. So anyway, were you and you were expecting it to be more than zero? No, I was expecting. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew there was a clawback. There was a there was a period where I, I you know, some of the some of the mo- bonus money I had. A, you know, I won't get into all that. You have to, you know, you have to hit your goals and yeah, and all that. So I won't get into all that stuff. But those days are those days are uh, long gone. It hadn't happened in oh twenty years. I've learned from that 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 situation. That's good. That's good. Mm. Um, so yeah. So then, just work. Any any other? Uh, let's see. I, I'm planning to go to San Francisco Valentine's Day weekend. I know somebody is flying you out. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> let's say let's say we're each taking care of our respective transportation oh. and trips and this and that. Oh. And uh, we, as a matter of fact, we have tickets to see Hamilton. Y'all are really doing it up. Okay. Yeah, and then I we'll stay out uh, till Tuesday. So Monday morning we'll rent a car, drive over to Napa Valley, spend the day. Depending on how we feel, we'll either come back uh, or stay there, and then uh, drive back to San Francisco and catch a flight back to uh, Lubbock. And they're going to San Diego, so I'll we'll just uh, have a good long weekend of it. Well, I'm not going to be a hater, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, hey, hey, you know, it's... it's that sounds fun, you know, though. Like, well, well, it is. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> this is just, it's really kind of strange. You know, some of the things that you've said you always wanted to do, never thought you would be in a position to do it. And then finally, you know, they're actually a frustrated writer. And uh, they're actually going out for a, a writing seminar. And so they're overlapping. I'm overlapping their her trip with that seminar, and so we're just taking advantage of the time in San Francisco yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, she, she never mind. I was going to say something, but 
her not being frustrated anymore by the end of the trip. So y'all have fun. Well, we traveled um, pretty good together. We, oh, we, so this has been multiple. Um, oh, yeah, moments. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I hate to, I, I mean, I haven't been to Chile or, 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 or South Korea or China or any place like that. But I did go, we did go to Hawaii. And uh, last year we went to we went down to uh, was it Washington D.C. together? We spent spent a weekend down there. Well, I, I tend to I'm just arm candy. That's all. Maybe not even that. I'm just uh, a companion. Let's put it like that. Okay. <laughs> trying to make somebody's arm candy and get flushed out. Well, baby, I'm sure you do well enough. You're that like you're in your thirties. You over here. 70 or damn well you know i don't want him to put dirt in my face yet i don't think i'm ready for that no, I, I, I was kind of i was kind of tickled last week you know you, you know you and your sister y'all y'all haven't really discussed you know a lot of things and, and you said something about you know, and I, I told you, you know, of course, Christina has 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 the wheel and all that. And you said something about, uh, you know, how we're going to how y'all going to split things up. And you had your eye on the Rolex. Sure. Did. And I never I, I never thought you even you never commented to me about it. And you never said anything about it. So I never knew that you even. It's because that. I'm older now. Now I know. Now I appreciate. And now I'm like, man, that would be real bossy for me to just walk up in my meetings and have that Rolex and then have your spirit with me as I go into these meetings and whatnot. And then like, you know, these guys, the, the men will be like, what is she doing with this Rolex? Is it real? Like they would just be so like, Oh, yeah. oh my I, God. I, I, oh my God. Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah. I'll be, you know, I just have a vision. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, just to let you in on a secret. So you, you know about the watch and I'll tell you this. So when you come to clean the stuff out, I have a, a black wooden black jewelry box that has the extra links for mm-hmm. the Rolex. You know, my, my wrist is not as big as the, the watch, you know, re- started out to be. So I've, I've had a couple links removed. Okay. Now, those links are like 18 karat gold, so they're worth some money. Mm. So, I mean, if you bought them and had to go out and buy them and replace them, that'd be something like, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars a link. So you want to you want to make sure you get the links when you get the watch. But don't take the watch until I'm gone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no. No, but you better believe on cleanup day that. uh... Yeah, you better get here first, baby. And and hope it's not an accident. I'm not on the sidewalk somewhere where, you know, I said, well, where's the watch at? (laughs) Daddy always wore that watch. Who got it? (laughs) I will investigate. I will go on Crime Stoppers uh, if it's gone. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. 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 But, you know, not that we're, you know, planning your death. But I'm glad that you, I mean, honestly, like I've been thinking about death more and more. Well, not like in a way, but one, we have the funeral home, or at least on mommy's side. Mm-hmm. That has always kind of been in the background. Um, but I, yeah, I just feel like it's just it's just going to happen. Like, that's the one thing that's very certain. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. like, you know, knowing it's going to happen. Then. Yeah, it's going to happen. And I, yeah. you know, and I, and, and you know, it's the way you go and how you go out. 
I mean, I've seen all varieties of departures, you know, from long terminal sicknesses to, you know, like what happened to, to Kobe, you know, yeah. suddenly one day you're here and the next day you're not, which was really tragic. And it broke my heart. It made me sort of, you know, it's amazing how things like that can weigh on you and you can't even identify it. You're not as happy as you used to be. You mm -hmm. kind of depressed a little bit. And then when you sit back and you think about it and you say, well, well, that's because of that and that and that. And I, I you know, of course that, uh, that, that was uh, the whole world. I guess the whole nation, not just the nation, the world was depressed by that. But, uh, anyway, um, so that was your week, your week. Other than that, my week is going good. How about you? How was your, yeah. Week? Um, yeah tell me about the new, uh, have you stepped into the new job, the new role yet? Not quite. So I still don't even know my start date because people, the team has been really knee deep in, uh, wrapping up, Super Bowl stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, and then my person I report to, he's been traveling. So anyway, I don't have a start date yet. However, I did um, kind of invite myself to the brand was at the Twitter, was at the Twitter, <laughs> at uh, Twitter's headquarters in New York. And there was like this war room during the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just like, you know, you kind of monitor this Twitter and the social media mm -hmm. kind of landscape from there. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really interesting. I'm glad I went. I got to meet folks from the agency. Um, I got to just observe without having to have any real responsibility of like what goes down and just ask questions. So it was really like invaluable. And then like I ate a lot. So that kind of got me off of my my mission for for the summer but that's okay but like it was really good it was a great mm. time i got a lot of value out of it um so yeah i'm just trying to like close out things still on my old oh, my role and there's some things where it's just like the bat the baton will need to be passed but right the person like hasn't been identified so at least in the meantime i'm trying to just get everything in order so that like whenever they do is someone new or whenever whatever happens mm. whoever takes on the work I can just be like, you know, here, well, not just here you go. I'm going to like transition folks, but at least I'll have like the documents and stuff and right, exactly. in a good place. Um, people, people never forget that when you take good care and giving them the, you know, full view of what they have to do. That's what right. I've always found. For sure. I, I, I remember when I, t I was, um, this was a few years ago when I took over as a club president. And I, I met with the, the guy that was the previous president, uh, my predecessor. And uh, we met down in this little Mexican restaurant down in La Mesa, Texas, which is like, oh, about 70 miles from here. So I got up one afternoon, drove down there, and he drove, you know, it was about 70 miles on each, on each side, about midpoint. And he gave me a plastic box with a key that and one three sheets of paper or something like that. And I said, is that it? He said, yeah. I said, well, what's the key go to? He didn't know. Thanks a lot for that. You know, well, you know, that was, uh, you know, you know, it's like the, someone was telling me there's a Chinese proverb that life is like a wheel. Sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Mm -hmm. And so it all goes around. And, and so when I, stepped down as president i had a we had a big christmas party down at a place called big ben big ben texas down in uh, big ben park in that area where they made the movie 
uh, giant with uh, Rock Hudson and uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. And we stayed in that same hotel, which is called the Presidium. Old, old nostalgic hotel. I mean, the plumbing, everything was old from the original days back in the back in the 50s. Nothing's been changed. And I handed out awards and plaques and he got none because <laughs> I, I said for all the people that helped me in my presidency and I gave him either a trophy or I gave him a plaque and he got nothing. And uh, soon after that, he quit. <laughs> he quit the club entirely. Well, I bet he was tight. Everyone gets oh, up. God, he was, he yeah, was ready for yeah, his yeah. name to be called. I, 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 I know. I know. I mean, the whole room got, you know, something. I mean, I was being very, very <laughs> uh, generous. But, but, yeah, but I, I do have a little Machiavellian in me, you know. And, I, you know, it just it bothered me. I never got over that. He gave me an empty box. And a key that he didn't know what it went to. Yo. Thank you. And no, no description. And everything throughout the three years I was president, you know, I'd, I'd ask him something. He didn't know, either didn't know or he poo-pooed the idea. And I would have to say, we're doing it anyway. And, and actually what happened was uh, the second year I was, you know, was there, I took the club from nothing to second place in all of North America. That's awesome. The Porsche Club of America. Yeah, your dad is was president for for three years and took him to um, second place region of the year. That's awesome. You know what? That sounds like the level of petty I aspire to do one day. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you get a trophy. You get a trophy. And then just, I'm going to head out. Trophy before. <laughs> I'm going to add that to the vision board. Um, uh, that was petty. Of petty. <laughs> that was petty. I love it. Um, uh, but back to my life, okay? Because you keep having these stories. So, <laughs> okay, baby. Oh uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, that you have really good no. stories. That's why you're here. Um, what else was happening? Okay, so yeah, I did the Twitter thing. Haven't started my job. Um. Oh, you didn't ask me. I told you I had a date on Friday. You asked. Oh, I mean, I knew you last time we talked, you had a candidate. Well, you said he wasn't a candidate. And I said, OK, good. It's to be a candidate. I, my view, baby. Yeah. You know, because we're going to do this also during Valentine's Day. But please define for the people. I think you're about to do this, but I just want to make it clear because candidate is a term that I have adopted from you. So please define for the people what a candidate is and the requirement. Well, no, we won't go into requirements, but just what a candidate is. Uh, well, a candidate is a, a suitable young man that shows the, the potential to being someone special in your life. Mm. Uh, he's just a candidate for that position. Now, he, it's not saying he's there because then after you become a candidate and you get selected, then it becomes a little more serious. But the, it, being a candidate is that he's like, he's not running for office, but he's running for a stake of your heart. And he has to be worthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can't be. And you and I have discussed some things about the kind of things you should look for in a proper young man you know uh and i always uh, when you were a little girl you know back when you were like maybe 10 years old i i always told you something about uh, don't be just something to do 
Oh, you didn't know. say that, Ben. You didn't say uh, that, Ben. You no, said I, that a year ago. <laughs> uh, no, I've said that many times. Oh, said, you well, well, you were you were the back seat, and your sister. I was. That was probably Please, when I was ten. No one was chucking for me. So there yeah, you go. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's I, I, I thank God they weren't. So anyway, uh, being something to do is to have a, a serious role in a young man's life, not just to be, you know, as the words, as the phrase implies, just something to do. Somebody, you know, be special, you know, and I always want you to be that. Um, and that means, you know, you're not wasting your time with guys that are just whatever, you know, if they're just friends and they remain friends, but uh, don't don't take it beyond that. So. Anyway, so we'll dive, Canada, we'll dive deeper Canada. on that in Valentine's Day, the next episode. But. Okay. All right. Well, let's, I look forward to that. Yeah, uh, that's, same. That's just same. my jaded view of life. So No, I think I need this. But yes, I'm, I'm here for you. Um, I'm here with this. But yeah, he's, he was a gentleman. He was really nice. He's a really nice guy. Um, we had grab drinks and then we got dinner. And that was that. Um that was that. So yeah, I'm just keeping it slow. I am so not in a rush right now, um, just because I'm busy and I'm, it's, I'm I'm about to get like super busier. Like this year is about to be crazy. I already know. And so just like I don't want to use my time to go on a date for the sake of just going on a date or right. knowing. Like I don't like I don't mind using my time to get to know someone, but once mm-hmm. I quickly if I quickly assess that they are not the one, then you said something. You were just like, um, you don't want to like be used and you don't want to use anybody. So at the same time, like these guys are spending money on these dates. Like I don't want to just go for a meal and there's no, like, I'm trying to like get to know you. So with that said, we'll probably have another date. We'll see. and just getting to know him. Um, But Yeah. Do you mind me I'm asking what, is, what, is he, what does he do? Or yeah. So I'll give you the surface stuff. He uh, sure. He's an engineer at a like Wall Street kind of company or a Wall Street mm-hmm. company. Okay. Um, Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> he has aims to go to business school. So he's he's waiting to hear back from schools. Um, he's a little mm-hmm. younger than me and I don't really like that. I told him that too. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. that. I mean, he's 28. I'm 31. I like, I just prefer an old, not too old, but like my age or older, you know, 20s, it just seems so distant. <laughs> Well, your mother's older than me. By a year. <laughs> by a year. You, know, you know who else is older than you? Um, the girl in elementary school that said you ain't got nothing on Stevie Wonder. You said she was a year older than you. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's you, true. Oh, is is Miss Ryder friend older than you? Yeah, she's a year older than me. Okay, I see a pattern. <laughs> yeah, and then the last I, I think you met I think you met the last woman I was married to. Oh yeah. And this is this is a real shocker. She's five years she was five years older than me. Oh really? Oh you have a thing. <laughs> well, I you know, it was totally that's a story in itself and we'll we'll leave that for later. Think of that, I don't, later I, later in the series. Uh, that's the, that was oh my gosh, that was like oh oh what a deal that was. 
As a matter of fact, I about a week ago, I was, uh, well, this past weekend, um, not this past weekend, weekend before last, I was, uh, I passed through her little town. That she, she lives in this little town south of uh, Odessa, Texas. And uh, I passed through and I stopped by to see her and her parents. Uh, you know, they're really up in age. Yeah. And we spent a minute together and talked a little bit. And, you know, and I, I had to... I had to just let her see what 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 she messed up, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. No, that was that was that was a that was a that was a that was a marriage that for the, for the time being was was what it was. But you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that you, you never know why you know God puts you in a, in a certain position. And uh, sometimes you you think it's forever, but then it's just for a season. Um, yeah. But other than that, as um, I have no hard feelings. I don't think she does either. Oh, so, good. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you have such a way of like springing news on people. Like I remember, we you were down for a visit to Houston, and we always go out to eat. And so we mm-hmm. were at Kim San. I remember this vis- vividly. I think we were like, we ordered the treasure fish, some wonton mm-hmm. soup, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you just kind of spring it on us. Like, oh, by the way, um, <laughs> I'm, I've gotten remarried. And it was just like, okay, like, where did this come from? Like, what? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it was one of those things. Sometimes it's just hard to segue into a subject like that. <laughs> I guess so. And I, you know, it's it, it, and I think you kind of picked up that same talent. I, you know, um, I mean, you're not, you're not extremely. Well, it's just hard to be. <laughs> I just, just dive in. Be, yeah, it's hard to be tactical about it. You know, it's it's just like, well, okay, uh, how do you say this? You know, you're, you're you know. So anyway, okay. Uh, I do my best. I try to do my best, to, not to not to be, be not, not for it to be so shocking, you know that. It, yeah. But sometimes you that's unavoidable, you yeah. know. You just can't avoid those sort of uh, bits of news that you want to share with those that you love and care about, and, and especially it's not that you'd be overly affected, but I'm your dad, and you would be, you know, you you would be concerned about it one way or the other. Yeah. Just like I would be if you called me and says, "Daddy, I'm, I'm, I got married," and I would say, "What? I mean, what are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> I said, "Don't pay me back the way I, the way I've done it. Do do better than do better than your daddy. I always expect you to do go further, no, you'll, better, higher than me ever." No, you'll you'll be. I won't say you're part of like. Well, you're you're, you're going to be a milestone of the vetting process. I'm open okay. to that now. Um, I would want you to approve. Uh, I, I won't like completely rid somebody off if you don't approve, but I will listen to you. I hope so, baby. Yeah, because um, yeah. I do believe you have my best interest at heart. Um, and then, like, you could probably detect the male crap that I might not be able to detect. Yeah, because I'm yeah. all like, oh my god, I love him. 
So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to take the fizz out of the out of the out of the. Well, do it tactfully. Don't do it like I would, I would. and just spring it over wonton soup and treasure. Yeah, dish. right. Yeah, right, don't exactly. say it. No, I, I would. I would give you. I would give you certainly my honest and you know my honest impression because I mean you after all you're my baby. You know, you're my baby. I mean, you know, what am I going to do? What, there's no, there's no profit in it. Me, me letting you walk into a touch a hot stove and, and, and I know the stove is hot and I can see it. And, but you're, you know, you're looking at other things, you know, I you're see. not, you're not seeing it all yeah. or feeling it all. Yeah. So I would always give you my point of view on it, honest point of view without bias. Appreciate it. Okay, um, but yeah, so let's get <laughs> off this segment because we're a little uh, behind schedule, which is fine. I like to rock, I like to flow, so it works. Um, but yeah, for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, like I'm seeing, I'm going to Jersey tomorrow. Back to my original company out of college, they do a Black History program. We usually have a good speaker, and it's like also a time where all of us that were kind of working at that time at the company come back and it's like a little reunion. So I'll be really driving. A How neat is that? Huh? I said, that is really neat. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love, I love this company so much. I mean, I didn't, my time was done there. Um, I didn't need to go back after school to like a different function or anything, mm-hmm. but the people I met were like really, really amazing and they're still in my life. So that'll be fun. I'm excited. I hope so. I mean, uh, that sounds like a fantastic opportunity, baby. I mean, I, I mean, you are, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't roadmap your life out any, any better. I mean, you put the hard work into it. And I remember when I was, when I realized the difference between being a businessman with a degree and being pre-med I mean, your path has been so similar to mine that it's not even funny. I know. Uh, I'm discovering I'm more and more like you, and I did not realize, even down to the, yeah. even down to the pettiness. I didn't know you were petty. <laughs> 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 oh. oh no, I know, baby. That I know, was I, know. I felt bad about that. I I started to send a makeup certificate to it. <laughs> nah, I man. No, nah, he needs no, to be but, he needs to be checked. He needs to be put. Yeah, in place. I mean because I mean he, he is he, a public he, shame. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and it's like uh, we were, we, we got a word from the, from the club that we had to be incorporated. And then he texts me back and I asked him if he knew anything about it. He said, no, no, you don't have to do that. And then I talked to the company. I mean, the, the club, the headquarters again, they said, yeah, if you don't, you're not going to get any more money. I said, oh, well, we will be. And I got us incorporated. And, um, that that was one of the things that really kind of set my teeth on the edge with him. You like that phrase? I'm gonna start writing these phrases. I, I pointed, I saw it yet last time. Set my teeth on edge. Okay, <laughs> I like that. That's really that's really poetic and vivid. Uh, it's very vivid. I've never heard of that. Well, I think that's biblical or something. I don't know. I Maybe like something. it. That's. Yeah. I'm gonna adopt that. Okay, so. That was that. Um, so that's the week, the week coming up. That's where I'm at. Um, so now hot topics. And we'll be brief. And I should okay. have like actually prepped you before and just like made sure you were okay. And I didn't necessarily 
really want to talk about politics, but how I, how I, can I, we not talk about politics? I really <laughs> don't think that's a, I really don't think that's a good subject, and I really <laughs> think. And I think it's whatever I would say I ain't going to be well received. Oh, and, I, and I know your politics are very different than mine. Oh. And I, whatever I would say would be, oh my God, they would, they, the black people would uh, <laughs> just go nuts. Wow, <laughs> but, damn. But, okay. But, I have, a, you know, and I really don't think that's a subject, you know, you really ought to engage in too in your position. I mean, it's it's not it's not it's a it's a loose situation to me. And I've uh, even when I was in every book I've ever read about, uh, even being an officer in the in the military, uh, one thing you don't ever talk about is politics. Uh, I'm just saying that. Baby. Podcast. I mean, no loose military. This is a podcast. Yeah, but this is going, God knows who's going to be watching. That's fair. That's fair. And I do not want to have to, yeah, let's not. You know, you start saying what I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a, a loop. I will just cover my stuff on my views, and you can just. You know, you love oh, you love watermelon. You love watermelon. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I love watermelon. You remember that? Uh, and for those who may have missed that on the first episode, I love watermelon means that's our safety phrase for when we're not talking about something. Um, we're going to change the subject. Changing the subject. <laughs> so he loves watermelon, and yet he don't want to talk about the stuff. So anyway, I just found it to be like such a riveting week in politics. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not like a huge, oh, look at you smoking a cigar. Let me whip out my, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I hope I'll, you don't have, that's a bad habit. No, I, but anyway, I don't ahead. smoke cigars. Um, so <laughs> anyway, um, it's just been such a like a Riveting week in politics, and I'm not even like a po- political person, but it's just been so much and so good. It's just like there's. I know, I know, you can't make this stuff up. I know, like everything in Iowa, like Iowa. Okay, so I, I, I will say, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm very much so a Democrat. Um, I, yeah. I have not decided who I want to rock with. Um, and I've been like listening to like people and stuff. And I think one thing I know is that like, there's been a lot of top of talk, talk, sorry, the one, it's a lot of talk about electability and people like voting for people that think that they can like beat Trump or whatever. So then people are like, Oh, I'm gonna do Biden. Cause Biden's real moderate. And like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I just had to have like a epiphany for myself that I did not get these rights to be voting for what I think white people will do or anybody else will want, like what they will want. Like what, what sense does that make that I'm using my voice to appease others? No, no, no. So um, I then now really have to do a lot of due diligence and um, figuring out who I'm going to rock with. I'm like down to three. Um, Sanders, Warren, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, um, the others can probably have a seat for me. Uh, although, you know, randomly, I really like Marion Williamson. 
but I just don't think that that could work um, realistically. But anywho, um, so yeah, so I'm a Buttigieg, he, he got Iowa, but then there was the whole thing and even just understanding like how the Iowa caucus works and then like, why is mm-hmm. it in Iowa? Like, and then there's lots of discussions of like, oh, we should be somewhere else. Cause I mean, it's not representative, but then I did like hear podcasts, like these Iowans do really take this stuff very seriously. Like they're like giving their all into these votes. So, um, but honestly, they should just move somewhere else. Like it's been like that, I guess, for the past 40 years. But it's been just interesting kind of like understanding that and like like even that I didn't realize that these things happen like in a gym and people are like standing in groups and you like move from one side of the gym to the other for your vote. I just think it's so like weird and simple, but weird um, mm-hmm. that our politics are kind of based off of an activity like this in terms of like voting. Um, so it's just been very interesting. Um, I, I didn't have an appreciation for this when I was like growing up in school, but, um, I think like right now I'm like at the place where I'm just like, I really want to pay attention. Um, so that was interesting. And then don't get me started. I watched the state of the union. Oh my goodness. And that's the thing. That's the thing. That's what I need these Democrats to do. I need them to become better marketers like Trump. I do not, I despise him. But he is very effective in his marketing. Like the whole the whole state of the union, it was just like, you get a scholarship, black girl. You get to get reunited with your family, army man. And then like, oh, let's let's make the conservative people happy. Here you go. Here's an award, Rush Limbaugh. Like it was just all over the place and effective. I, in I, know. Way. I know. Like I'm just I like, know. oh my God. And then like all these Democrats, like I can't, there's no point of um distinction like what makes each of them distinct i don't know like what is the campaign like what is your campaign about like simply put like even obama he had a great thing hope and like it was a thing that you could like galvanize people on and like create a movement i i don't think i have that same kind of tagline and we have seen how effective a tagline can be in politics so i just i just need these democrats to make it easier for me to know <laughs> what they stand for and what their point of distinction is so I can know who to vote for. And mm-hmm. while I might do the research, everyone isn't. So I need them to like really galvanize people. So that's where I'm at. I'm confused, but I'm like leaned in now. I was kind of dragging my feet to be leaned in and just kind of like, I just wanted the amount of Democrats mm-hmm. to just like wind down. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't a fan of Cory Booker, so I was kind of glad when he left. I know that this might be like, oh, but he's a black man. Like, no, I did. He no, I didn't like him. So, <laughs> so I did it. Well, I mean, you lived in this state for what five years? Did you live in New Jersey for five years? Yeah, and I had well, the Jersey, but Jersey has so many issues. I can't put that on Cory. Um, but just like if it was just like if I heard one more time. That he like lived in the projects. It was a revolt yeah, voluntarily. And it was just like, I get it if you're really trying to build empathy, but you're just using it. You're just milking the heck out of it. And like, honestly, like, shut up. Like, you had the choice. These people don't have the choice that your neighbors don't have the choice. So, anyway, let me get off because I can already feel like I can, I'm getting riled up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting riled I up. Too, baby. <laughs> getting riled up. It's the wine. It's it's all it's all these different components. But um, yeah, I'm undecided, completely undecided, and I need the, to like do more research. But in the meantime, I need 
these people to get their marketing game up and create some sound bites, create a tagline, um, get a point of distinction for themselves and um, keep it going. So anyway, you like watermelon. <laughs> yeah, I like watermelon. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, you're going to have us canceled okay. after this episode. Yeah. Let you yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, um, so, so now, so now with this new job coming up Mm -hmm. and this transition period that you're going to be going through, what do they estimate the time to be before you step in the role? I don't know. I've been like, I've been like trying not to be a pain or anything because I know that like they're doing a lot, but at the same time, I'm like, guys. Like has the pay. Uh, let me ask you this, and Here's that's what I'm most concerned about. Because per my thing, to get the merit increase on top of it, it has to be done by a certain date. And so I made it very clear. I was like, "Well, what needs to be done by the certain date?" And he just made it see. So anyway, I'm not going to put all of our the company's business out like that. But however, I'm going to follow up tomorrow per this conversation because I need to be clear on when am I going to get these like higher checks. Like I need these higher checks. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I would think that 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 is part of the whole, you know, plan. But but it's like you said, if the if your 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 boss, your your new boss is traveling, and you're putting together, uh, have, have they picked a person to take your place yet? No, and I honestly, I think it's going to take them a little while. So that's see, a whole bunch. Of see, studies. sometimes, yeah. See, sometimes they'll they'll. You'll, you know, I remember when I, I got moved around, uh, they'll leave you in that role, depending on how, you know, how impactive it is. They'll leave you in that role until they find a replacement. But then then again. Uh, it ain't that know. damn impactful. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's not as impactful as the role I'm assuming. It's not as impactful yeah. by far as the role I'm assuming. They can figure it out. Like, um, and I'm, I can even like usher some stuff, continue like to hold it down. But it's just like, so anyway. I am patient in God's timing. However, I do want some clarity soon just so I can like know when the hell I'm supposed to start. Um, and also get this elevated coin along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Got me. Got me. Kathy. let's, we're going to have our main conversation, but let's take a break. Um, a quick break, very quick, but okay. we, Right back, listeners. Thanks for joining us on this first half of this wild ride. We'll be back. Goodbye. Welcome back to Father Figuring. So uh, we're going to go and dive in into the main topic of the episode, the... um, The name of this episode is The Last Black Man in Lubbock, Texas, um, because I do really feel I got to visit because I really just think it's just you walking around. But I know there's other black people out there. Um, So with that, and it's a play, my sister, Christina. Thank you, Christina, for providing the inspiration for that um, from the movie The Last Black Man in San Francisco. So anyway, um, with it being Black History Month, I wanted to, you know, kind of just talk about your blackness. In a context of you being a black man, but navigating a lot of different 
homogenous spaces. So like everything, I think for the, the majority of your life, you've been in really like really predominantly white spaces. And then there's been like, you know, in college, you went to prayer view. So of course, and then you went to business school at Texas Southern. So you were in more like black spaces. Um, but those were very short blips. And then you just had to navigate corporate America. And then now you're as a financial advisor, like you, and then a financial advisor in Lubbock and you don't have to go into details or anything, but pretty sure you're like managing the wealth and finances of like white people. So (laughs) that's like no small feat, I guess, especially in Lubbock. Um, so yeah, I just want to talk to you about kind of those, those spaces, and you're navigating through them. So I guess let's just start. So you grew up, or you were born in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, I'll, let me just kind of give you some background about that. Yeah. Um, my mother had three children. I was the second oldest. I had a sister. Uh, then there was me, and then it was my brother. And in 1953, my father was diagnosed with leukemia. And he passed away in July of 1953. So here was my mother with uh, three kids and a widow. Um, one thing mother always said, she said, the smartest thing she ever did was to take the insurance money that she got from his, his passing, from his death, and pay off the mortgage on the house. And her theory was if, if, if we had no money, we would always have a roof over our head. Um, and that was her plan. And she had gone to beautician school. And as a matter of fact, she went to uh, the beauty college that was sponsored by Madam Walker. I don't know if you know Madam Walker, but she was the first African American. I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. So that's who taught her. That's that's who taught her. That was she had a cosmopolitan uh, school in in uh, Dallas, Texas, which mm-hmm. is where her dad lived at the time. And anyway, um, years years later, five years later, mother met uh, met the soldier. His name was Elbert um, Thomas. He was a master sergeant in the army. He had been in the Second World War. He had just gotten back from the Korean War, in which he was wounded, and um, he was recovering. And his sister lived next door to us. Uh, she became my aunt. We always called her Aunt Doris. And we lived next door to each other. So when he got released from the hospital out at Fort Sam, she introduced my mother to her brother. Um, they fell in love. And mother explained to him that we were package deal. It's not just me, but it's me and my three kids. And he embraced us like we were his. I never felt like... Uh, the proverbial stepson. I felt I was, he was my dad. Yeah. And I always called him daddy. And uh, he got, got stationed in Fort Knox, Kentucky. So a few months after they got married, we all moved lock, stock and barrel to Fort Knox, Kentucky. And living on a military base is like, like nothing else at the time. And you have to remember, this is 1958, 1959. Uh, this was, you're moving into the heart of Dixie, where you have 
race riots and you have demonstrations and you have all this stuff going on in Louisville because Louisville was the closest big city to Fort Knox. It was 30 miles away. You had all this stuff going on. But when you stepped on the military base, it was like an oasis for me. I mean, I got involved in swimming. I mean, I integrated the pools. I jumped in the pools with, you know, white kids and black kids. We were all swam together, you know, back in the 50s, late 50s. Uh, I played Little League baseball. I rode my bicycle all over the base, played Little League Pop Warner football, basketball, junior high school, was elementary school, took French classes, did all that stuff. And it was like just almost like no other place I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, in our neighborhood, there was probably, it was like the UN. You had, you had, uh, Puerto Rican kids, you had black kids, you had a lot, a lot of white kids, you had Irish kids, you had uh, German kids with moms were German war brides, we used to, they used to call them that. You had um, uh, Japanese. Uh, it was just a just a melting pot of different cultures and different people, and it was all under the military umbrella. So it was very safe. Um, I knew one thing, however, that uh, if I wanted anything extra in in life, because there was, you know, four of us and mom and dad had a baby too, so there's there's the four of us, four kids and and uh, and them. I had to you know earn it myself. So I had odd jobs like cutting grass and uh, working at the carnival during the Fourth of July week. Uh, those are the things I kind of remember most about, you know, uh, at, at 11 and 12 years old, I was making money, you know, for myself, you know, because I didn't want to, I, I just thought maybe I was, I don't know, I thought it was enough for him to take us in. Uh, and, and then on top of that, to give us allowance and all that, I thought that was, you know, I should be able to support my own self a little bit. So anyway, uh, we stayed there until 1963. Dad retired. We moved back to San Antonio and um, went to junior high. And I uh, graduated from ninth grade, and I got me a job working as a busboy at the officers' club at Fort Sam. And it was a, it was it was a good experience because you know I'm working around grown men that uh, <clears throat> were waiters. And they were raising families, and I was just—I was a busboy. I made five dollars a night plus tips, so that was a lot of money. Yeah, you know, for a kid that didn't have any other responsibilities other than take care of himself. So I used that money to buy all the things that I wanted, to buy the clothes I wanted, to buy the whatever else I wanted. Later on in my junior year in high school, I bought a car. Uh, my first car was a 55 Chevrolet. And, you know, it taught me a lot of stuff because, you know, I could just see the responsibilities of of life. And, I, I you know, and, and Daddy always gave me these stories about the Depression and, and how it was and how it, you know. And to me, he just instilled in me that if you want something in life, you got to work, you know, and don't expect anybody to give you anything. You know, I thought so, taking care of us so was a bonus. Of um, mm. not to cut you off, but like in terms yeah, of your, your your 
So at the army base, everything, it was kind of like this, you said it was this oasis, this like very diverse thing. So you didn't really experience like any racism, even though you were in the fifties. Well, I did at first. Uh, Okay, let's let's dive into that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, I remember we first moved there, and it got better. But this was this was we moved in there, and and I believe it was the latter part of uh, '58. It was like maybe in the fall of '58, and it was like they had this this family. And it must, they must have had, I don't know, it was a big family, maybe seven kids or something like that. And their last name was Kennedy. Oh, my God. They were just, ah. Oh. There was, uh, Eddie Kennedy was about a couple of years older than me. And he had a sister that was about another couple of years older than him. And I believe her name was Yvonne or something like that, whatever it was. Oh, my God. I was called, we were called everything under the sun. You know, from monkeys to so we were always we were always in a scuffle. You know, always in a scuffle. You know, because sometimes you can just take so much of that, and then you gotta you gotta respond to it. So it was always it was always some somebody saying something, and and then you you know react to it, and uh, you know. And I think back to some of those days, and it was like, you know, it's it lucky that I even lived through all that. But um, anyway, when they left, when that one single family left and others moved in, the whole neighborhood changed. Then there was nothing but peace. Mm. And that's when I was able to move around the, the base just like, you know, like nobody's business. You know, it was just fun. It was just, it turned out to be all a bunch of fun, but it didn't start out that way. Yeah. But it started, yeah, being that way. That's so it, and, then, and so then in San Antonio, um, which at the time was what, like, say like in school, when you're in high school, it was like white kids or Hispanic kids or Latin, yeah. sorry, Latinx, my Latinx community. Um, <laughs> well, what, I, what was the demos? Yeah, well, uh, our junior high school that I was, because I got there when I was in eighth grade, uh, it was, there was, there was probably out of, out of my, out of my eighth grade, ninth grade class, there were probably maybe 200 kids. And out of that was maybe 20 of them were, were African American. Um, for whatever reason, mother had this notion that she wanted to send us across town to school. Mm-hmm. So that's what we we went to integrated junior high, and then the high school. There were eight hundred kids in our class, eight hundred fifty three kids in our graduating class, and then there was about fifty black kids. So it was it was it was a lot of uh, white kids and a few black kids and Hispanic kids. So, and then I said to myself, you know, at some point in my life, I want to know what it feels like to be in a majority. Yeah. So I, I it was no, I had no thought of going to a white a white college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, there was North Texas State and there was Southwest Texas State. A lot of the African American kids in my class went to either of those two schools, and I was the only person in my graduating class that went to Prairie View A and M. And I went there, you know, just just because I wanted to know what it felt like to be in a majority. Plus, it get, it was affordable. I mean, 
everything else was out of my price range, and I had to pay. I didn't get scholarships, so I had to pay for most of that. Uh, my dream college was Howard University, but you know that was so far away, and it was at a time when 1968, uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated, actually, on April 4th, which is my 18th birthday. And I'll never forget that day, you know, when, when it happened that evening. Uh, that was the quietest our neighborhood had ever been. Yeah. There was nobody on the street. There was everybody was in their house and doors were closed. And there was not a, not a movement because everybody, we were in so much shock when that happened. And um, then I knew for certain I didn't want to go to, you know, like UT or A and M, Texas A and M, or any of that stuff. Right. It was like it was like, uh, yeah, man, it was yeah, thick. It, it was, was really thick. Yeah, and now so, that I think about it, because mommy, um, you know, she she was at University of Houston at that time, which was definitely mm-hmm. majority white. Um, so yeah, I got to talk to her about that. But yeah, I'm, I see definitely why you were very focused on going mm. to like what felt like you know safety um yeah. in a way um and just to and also just a place where you haven't really been able to connect with um because you have been in either like really diverse or you know all white because like 50 people out of 800 that's six percent <laughs> like that, that's that is terrible i mean but honestly that's what it is at Hell, that's probably what it was when I went to business school. So anyway, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. And by that time, after growing up, you know, in Fort Knox and then doing that, it wasn't a big, wasn't a big deal, you know, because uh, what I found out is that, you know, there's, it's just, just the way you do things, you know, yeah. and, um, and then when I. Uh, Went to Prairie View. That was I, I discovered that there's no difference. There's some there's some brothers that you don't want to be around. <laughs> Just like there's some white people you don't want to be around. Right. You know? who, who, are like, the brothers, the, who are the brothers you didn't want to be around? Were those well? Well, I mean, I, 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 I had omegas. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you had, you had fraternities and they were all Wait, hold right. On. I, mean, I got to give it, people the context. Okay, Will Carter, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, you're a member of Kappa Alpha. You're Kappa, well, right? right. Yeah, I did pledge capital after I graduated, but that was good. Oh, that was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's so I so some, some would say that's the easy way out, but I anyway. We did it in undergrad. I'm glad we yeah. cleared this up. You yeah. Grad chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, your mother was there when I did when I did it. Yeah. I don't want to alienate the audience. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But anyway, uh, so we, we I did that and. Um, but, you know, it was like, but, you know, when I was at, at PV, I was also in the Naval ROTC. I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I graduated, um, it was kind of a strange thing because uh, all my plans, my plans were to, was to go into the military. And I didn't, didn't, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so mother one day, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, fussing and, moaning and going on about uh, about my life and and mother being mother my mother didn't tolerate very much i mean she was uh, all about tough love if you if there's such thing as tough love she was that she did not let you sit around and pity yourself mm. uh even when times were tough with her 
She, I never saw her. I only saw her cry once. Really? Other than that, mom was like, oh, I mean, she was, well, you do it, do this, do this, do this. You know, she always had. She was so had different to, around us. She was so, like, nice and loving. Not that she oh, wasn't well, with y'all, but she wasn't, like, you know. Well, she, you're, she you're, like, you're, you're, you're grandchildren. I, I mean, know. we used to I'm say this thing. I mean, I mean, I'll let you in on the secret. We only used to be jealous of y'all. She said, why are you, why do you treat them so much better than you treated me? You know? <laughs> Oh, that. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want your other, the other, your other cousins to hear that. But yeah, mom, mom, you know, y'all were when y'all were born. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it was like, oh, you know. oh my god. I used to love going over like, like when we when we discovered that two weeks was too long. But usually, we did one week, and like we didn't have cable for a long time, and grandmother had cable, and I would watch like comic be. I watched all sorts of stuff, just music videos all day. It was great, and then she would cook these enchiladas. Oh, her enchiladas were so good. And then she cooked fried chicken and just everything. And then she would have like so many snacks. And then we go to Toyland. And the fact that there was a place called Toyland was just mind blowing. So, yeah, it was that made my summer um, going to San Antonio. That was. Yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. That was those were some good times. Um, anyway. Wait, what were we talking about? Um uh, well, we were talking about, I was talking about uh, going to school at the PV and Purview. Yes, yes, so, yes. So when I graduated, you know, mother, she said, well, you know, she reminded me, she said, didn't you interview with this company, this uh, oil field company? I said, yeah. She said, well, you know, go up there, call them and tell them you want to you talk to them. Wait, so, before we before we transition into mm-hmm. oil field land, um PV. So this was your first time where you were just surrounded by sisters. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, how, yeah. was, how was that? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I tell you things, baby. That's why I coach you all the time about. Oh, you were terrible. Canada's. I was. Yes, I was terrible. I was oh. terrible. I, I saw so much candy in that store. It was like. <laughs> You know, I used to think it's too much candy for a dime, but I try to get my full, my oh feel. Like, they I say, know, I was terrible. The biggest, I was terrible. They say the I, most uh, promiscuous of men, or I'm going to put you as promiscuous, the most. Oh, I was, I was. Terrible, as you just said. I'll use your own words. The most terrible yeah. men end up with women, girls as their daughter, you know, as their children. I know, I know. Yeah. yeah. I know, I yeah. know. It's like, yeah. it's like. It's like that. It's like that. God has, 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 God has, has paid me back for, you know, it's like the Chinese proverb, you know, it's just like life is like a wheel. Sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down, you know. So that was one of the things that, oh my goodness. I, 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 I mean, that's that's part of the. Oh my you know, God. Poor women. I feel like you need to say a public apology to these women right here live. Well, well I do. And I, I did go back and try to apologize to a few of them. But, you know, it's kind of like. It, it, it's kind of like one of the guilts that, you know, one of the great guilts that uh, I had, I bared. And it made me susceptible to uh, deception because. You know, when you're trying to atone for your sins, which I had a lot of atoning to do, and I felt so guilty about a lot of the things that I, you know, did, whatever, um, 
it, it makes you, when you're seeking God and somebody says uh, he's over here, and then, you know, it's not so much, it's kind of a confluence of things that happens. Your desire to be right with God, your, your burden of guilt that you feel about the things you've done in your life, and then your misuse of your, your blessings and your talents and the things that God has given you, and you've used them not for His good, but for your own lust and things like that. Uh, it makes you really, it makes you susceptible to a lot of things, you know. But back to the story. Let's let's stay yeah, uh, stay in sync. Some of this juice for other episodes. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think we're off the prayer view woman topic. We gonna get back to that in another episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that was one. That was one young lady I dated all through school. She was my steady. Oh, and sure. there are other roles to be played, huh? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I, one day, I mean, there were some other incidences where sounds like some bullshit. Just, just, yeah, two of them walk up at the same time. You know, there, there's one eating, there, there's there's this other girl. That's oh like, God. oh, and, and and you know, that's you talk about, you know, you talk about that's uncomfortable. Not a date of you. I mean, I was, I was absolutely lost for words. So you know, it was oh. not good. So when I warn you about you know. guys, baby, it comes from experience. Me <laughs> out though that really kind of trips me out because it's just like y'all can't who, y'all are doing this to people's daughters like y'all can't just be putting this energy out and then expecting like this type of energy not to meet the women in your life like and then you know you, know, you yeah that's why i always called it the this culture in like your men's circles like yeah i yeah. did this and yeah i did that but y'all are basically creating a Anyway, I, that's another topic, but I just have a I reaction have no to, I have no, like, no oh, I got to double down on my daughter because I know and I used to be. When there you go. You, there you go. Like, there you go. There you go. You, that's, that's, you know, that's you're it. doing this to other people's daughters. Like, it's going to happen to me. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to happen to you. Well, it only happens to you. I'm older now, and I love myself more and more every day, but... College of twenty year old twenties, Catherine was not in this space. So <laughs> um, well, I don't. Apparently, I never met a Will Carter because ooh we. Apparently, you haven't. I thank God you haven't. I mean, you know that was. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, well, anyway, well, let's continue on. Here's here's the. <laughs> so okay, let me get it back on track because that was good aside. Um, so you you're. Grandmother was like, you know, look into the oil. So eventually we know you like did your interview. You got in. You're you're doing your oil company. You're probably making like mad good money. No, I mean, no. you know, okay. well, I mean, we won't go into that. OK, but good. No, yeah. aren't making that great money. Um, but you were doing this in East Texas. And just for context, East Texas, like I remember when um, I, we drove, not you, but um, it was like Uncle William. And some other folks, and we were going to a family reunion, driving to Shreveport, which is Louisiana, which is east of Texas. So we're driving east. Mm-hmm. I remember going through this town called Vider, and then I oh remember, yeah, mm-hmm. and I remember people saying like we we not stopping in Vider, like Vider just was like super racist. So anyway, and then just that East Texas being like super like Texas, like people already perceive as racist. Um, east Texas is probably like hardcore uh epicenter of like kkk type of racism um, oh yeah you were doing oil fields in 
as a what engineer you said an oil rig mud, uh, yeah, a mud, mud engineer, a mud engineer right. in the 1960s or early no, 1970s, no, 1970s yeah. early 1970s mm-hmm. and i'm sure you had to manage these um you know, folks that were not at your education level and they were probably racist AF and AF means as fuck. Uh, <laughs> so they're really racist. And um, yeah, so just, 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 just talk about that. And then also I want you to just hit on the first episode you mentioned, you got a gun pulled on you. So like, just, just, just talk about this moment. Yeah. It stop here. And, and, and in terms of your, of the blackness, just so we stay in our guardrails. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, when I, <laughs> when I, I interviewed, I interviewed for um, this job, and I didn't really know what it entailed. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, but it was an offer. It was a job offer, and so I got in my car. I had a blue Volkswagen that I had bought. Me and my brother bought together. Your uncle Bruce. And I brought the car together, and I had to deal with Brucey. I said, now, uh, for the last year at, at school, don't touch the car. When I graduate, the car's yours. So we made that deal, and so I, had to, I still had the car, and I was trying to find a, a job. And so Mother reminded me about the job offer in Houston. So I got in the car. It was a, a day in December. It was cold and wet, and I drove from San Antonio to Houston. It's about 200 miles. And uh, I went over to the building. I, I picked up my girlfriend, and because she knew Houston, I said, "You know, I'll pick you up. You show me how to get there." And so she said, "Yeah, I know where it is." So she, we got in the car, and I drove there. And she stayed out in the car and ran the engine and kept it warm. I went in there, and, and there was, I believe his, I believe his name was Young. Anyway, he was telling me about the job. And I said, oh, okay, I can do that. And he was saying, well, you'll be working in the oil field. You'll be on 24-hour call. You'll be having to do this and this, and we'll train you. You'll go down to you know, Corpus Christi, and you'll start there, and you'll come up for mud school, and then we'll send you somewhere. I said, yeah, I can do that. I said, he said, you'll make $683 a month. I said, great. So I thought back then it was a lot of money to me, yeah. 83 a month. You know, that was more than some school teachers were making. So on par with, with that, in comparison to that, it was good money. So I was great. I was happy about that. I didn't have any money. I uh, Mother gave me $20 and a bus ticket. And I caught the Greyhound bus to my first assignment, and that was in Corpus Christi. Well, I got down to Corpus Christi. I told them I didn't have any money. I just graduated from college. They said, well, we don't have any business going on right here why don't you go to Port Lavaca? So a guy drove me from Corpus Christi, about 170 miles away, to Port Lavaca. I got there, and there was a guy named Lonnie Downs who was the district manager. Never forget his name. I don't know. I remember all these names of people that really had a little bit of angst about me being where I was. Mm. And he, had, he looked at me, and he was mm. kind of surprised, like, oh, yeah, I heard it was a manager. They never told him I was black. So <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I, he said, oh, yeah. He said, where'd you go to school? I told him Prairie View and He said, oh, yeah. I said, there was another guy we hired from Prairie View. He didn't last very long. I said, well, you know, I think there was another guy named Craig or somebody. I think it started there. So anyway, uh, I told him I didn't have any money. 
And he said, well, why don't you have any money? I said, I just graduated from college. So he said, uh, how much money do you think you need? I said, well, I don't know, maybe. Because he told me, he said, you, you, what you'll do is you'll, you'll stay in this hotel and, uh, and you'll put it on your expense account and we'll give you a expense check and reimburse you every month. So he gave me, he gave me a check for 200 bucks, And that was like a lot of money back then to me. Mm-hmm. So I stayed there for two weeks, uh, went to mud school in Houston for four weeks, had the time of my life. It was a combination of getting paid to go to school to learn how to be a mud engineer. Of course, you don't learn everything you need to know, but you learn, uh, uh, you get a good start, a good foundation. Yeah. So then my first assignment was Liberty, Texas, about 30 miles east of uh, Houston. And that was the district uh, office there in Liberty. And we covered all of East Texas, all the way up to Tyler. Um, Sometimes I went down as far as Boca Chica, Texas, which is down south of Corpus. But I covered all the Texas Gulf Coast. I worked offshore for a couple of years, off and on, worked seven days on, seven days off. I mean, and those are real experiences, you know, and you get up around – had this one incident that happened where I was uh, had worked this job up around Woodville, uh, up around uh, up around uh, in East Texas, and there was this real and the whole crew. Most of the guys you're working with are called roughnecks and roustabouts. So most of them either didn't graduate from high school, just barely did. If if you had a high school education, then you were you were high on the totem pole, but if you didn't, most of them didn't. And then some of them were crazy, and half of them had been to prison and and convicts and stuff. There was one guy, his nickname was Redbone, and this guy was nuts. And you know, and I, I kind of stayed clear of the guy because he was he was he was nuts. You tell him to do something, he'd do it, but you know, it's like, yeah, you, know, you have to keep your eye on the guy. So after the job was over, I was riding up to the rig to finish up some paperwork. And I'm driving down East Texas, driving up East Texas Freeway, Highway 59. Mm -hmm. And it's a four-lane highway. And I'm driving up in this car, and I'm in a company car. And the company car is easy to spot. It's red, red top, yellow bottom. So everybody, they know Bayroid when they see it. So I'm driving up East Texas Freeway, Highway, rather. This car pulls up beside me because it's a two-lane in each direction. And uh, the guy blows his horn, hits his horn, bump. And I looked over at him, and it was that guy from the rig. Mm. And he had this nickel-plated, looked like a three fifty seven. Eight-inch barrel gun. Oh my god! <laughs> he pulled the gun up and he held it in his hand. I immediately stopped, hit the brakes, and pulled over to the shoulder of the road. And by the time he had done that, he was he was still going. And then he realized, I guess, that I stopped. He pulled over and stopped. I just sat there Ooh. and sat there and sat there. And he was probably maybe maybe three hundred yards in front of me. Oh. And I knew he wasn't going to back up, but I was going to back up if he backed up. 
Yeah. But he just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there. And I sat there and sat there and sat there because I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. You know, and then finally he drove on and I sat there. Oh. And, and that was the end of it. I didn't see, I've never seen him again. He never saw me. You know, he wasn't going where I was going, apparently. So we never ran across each other again. And then there was another incident that I had. And this was this was kind of kind of a little different. It, 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 it actually, you know, if you live long enough, you'll see that sometimes people change. And uh, I was stuck on a job that was having trouble. Uh, up in Beaumont, uh, one of the old wells up there in the spindle top and uh, in that area. It had been drilled out and a bunch of other stuff had gone on. That And that place had actually been one of the first uh, get oil fields in that area. And I was up there, and the well was in trouble. They were losing circulation, losing this and that. So I had to stay up there until the problem got fixed. Anyway, or till they called it and said, well, let's just plug it, and, you know, until they made a decision. So I'm up there one night. I'm, I'm sleeping in the front seat of my car. I'm up there all day the next day. It was a Friday afternoon. I've been up there since Thursday night, and it's Friday. So I go in the, in the, um, in the trailer where the tool pusher is. The tool pusher is the guy that runs the rig, and uh, oh, he's in charge of the rig. So I go in there, and there's a guy named Bubba Bradley. So I had worked on other wells with Bubba Bradley and always thought he was a very conscientious person because he would ask me, I would tell him, I would write down the recommendations of what to put in the mud, and he would say, no, no, uh, show me what you want me to put in the mud. So I would go over there and physically put my hand on the stack of sacks, and I'd say, put four sacks of this, two sacks of aqua gel, one sack of cubroxin, one sack of caustic soda, and da 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 da. And I'd put my hand on each sack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he'd say, okay, I'll make sure it gets done. And the next day I come out there, I can t- I'd run a test on the mud and it was in perfect shape, just like. It was supposed to be. So that was my first encounter with him. And I had had other encounters with him, you know, and it was all pretty friendly. And one night I went in the trailer. I'd been sitting up there on that well since Thursday night, and it was Friday evening. And uh, I went in this trailer and I said, uh, I said, Bub, I'm going to going into town uh, to get something to eat. And if uh, I'd be happy to buy your steak dinner because we had an expense account. And uh, he made some kind of excuse that, no, I don't think I'll do that. I said, okay. And then he kept talking about what people were getting from the government. He never did say black people. He just said people. Mm. And I never once let on. I've never heard him use the N-word or anything like that. And I was just, you know, so I got up after he was talking about 10, 15 minutes. I said, well, listen, I'm going to go into town and get something to eat. I'll be back in a bit. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Wilford, I will not eat with you. And I looked at him and was like, what? <laughs> and he said, uh, I will not break the law. I said, what? Break the law? What is this? I got in the car and I took off and, and uh, 
When I got back, I rolled up the windows and locked the doors. And I, I couldn't even go to sleep at that point. It's yeah. like breaking the law. What is this? I'm stuck out there because I yeah. got you know, to sit uh-uh. there. So anyway, they made a decision. I got relieved. So the next morning, about midday, I got relieved, and I went into, I went into back to the back to, back into the uh, district, and I got to the office, and I was filling up with gas, and uh, uh, the supervisor engineer was there, and his name was Danny, and I told him, I said, you know, Danny, man, something strange happened up there in uh, the spindle top of that well I was sitting on. He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I, I, I asked Bubba Bradley, the tool pusher up there, if he wanted to uh, go to dinner with me. And he said he wouldn't break the law, wouldn't eat with me. He laughed. He said, well, Bubba Bradley and his brothers are wizards in the Klan. Whoa. <laughs> and I said, what? The East, and the East Texas precinct of the Klan. Ooh. Yeah, right. Oh. See, oh, and, ooh, ooh, I bet he had like, oh, I bet he, when he yeah. was with his brothers, used to talk about yeah. you. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, here's something that's interesting that happened. You know, um, oh. here's something that, 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 that was really strange, and I'll share this with you. It's, uh, you know, you talk about people and how they change. Um, so this was in 1970. This must have been in 1976 because I got promoted in 77. So this is 1976. And um, I, you know, I was just, I was just shocked. You know, I never saw him again after that. Yeah. You know, and, um, but I, I, I was told about Viter that you don't stop in Viter. The other thing I was told about, and I used to check wells up around Orange Orange County, oh, yeah. uh, Orange, Texas, which mm-hmm. that was just as bad, you know. Uh, and they used to have rallies or meetings and, you know, they'd have flyers out. Danny even showed me a flyer where they were having a meeting in some farmer's field and they wanted all the all the people to be there and this and that. And he'd laugh about it and so he showed me that. He said, you be careful around there, Wilford. You know, it's like, yeah. So it, all that was there, you know, and and I guess I guess when once I was stuck on a well up in Jasper, Texas, that was that was an experience, especially driving down the highway with these tall pine trees on the side of both roads, uh, on the side of the road, on both sides of the road, one on left, right side, and it's like driving down a hallway, you know, yeah. the trees are so tall, you know, very ominous, so the, yeah. And so anyway, um, a few years later, after I got finally promoted, got my first promotion, that was in 1977. I mean, I really thought I was, when I got my promotion, life changed. Mm. Uh, That was in 1977. I bought a new car. I had me this fancy apartment there in Houston. No, you was back to your PB days. Back to the PB ways. No, no more, no more sleeping on the front. Calling all the girls from Prairie View to live in Houston. Hey Sheila. Hey Tanya. This is Will Carter. Yeah, no more walking. Yeah, I'm back. You know, but it took me four and a half years. And you know, in that four and a half years, I mean, I had to go offshore. You know, I was flying. I was working offshore seven and seven, which means that you're out there in the middle 
the Gulf of Mexico, and you're sleeping in the, you know those bunk houses out there, and but you're, they fed you well, but you're working 12 hours, and sometimes you get a get a well that was that took a kick or something like that would get in trouble, and then sometimes there'd be a, a hurricane that would come in the Gulf, and you'd have to evacuate the rig, and you'd be on these work boats, and man, my goodness, it would it'd take you 12 hours to go from the rig back to the bank, and your the seas are just tossing and turning. And I remember. One time I was on a work boat for two days, for well, it was a day and a half, and the seas were just tossing and turning, and and I thought we were going to sink. And I was, I was praying the whole time, oh, God, don't let me die out here in this ocean, you know, yeah. <laughs> in this gulf. But anyway, I survived all that. So after four and a half so years. So let me ask you, though, um, yeah. you know, and then we can go to, we can kind of fast forward, but mm-hmm. um. Wow. What got you through? I mean, this seemed like a terrible situation. And like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm learning that you enjoy kind of a thrill. Like you enjoy a little bit of the ups and downs. I don't know if a part of it, it was just like, that was kind of like feeding that some way. But like, what? No, what I, I, <laughs> what I, I, got was, you, that was what got you through? I mean, other than like, <laughs> other, other than clearly like, God was like, had a hand, of course, but I don't know how like close you were at that moment when you're in your twenties, really young. So like, what do you feel like kind of kept you moving enough to get even promoted in this condition? Yeah, that was, that was a lot. Yeah. That's a good question. And I, and I've thought about that many times back in those days, because there were times, you know, kind of like the conversation you and I had, I mean, I'd been in there like four years and I saw these guys, these white guys that, that I thought well, I was either as smart, if not smarter than them. And they were making moves. One guy made a move. And I said, well, you know, we, I don't see that. But, you know, and then I, I wanted to be a salesman. The first job I asked for, I said, well, they called me in and said, you know, Will, what do you want to, what, what do, you want to do? I said, I want to be a salesman. Because I thought being a salesman is like no other job anywhere on earth. Minimum responsibilities, other than <laughs> playing golf, you were like you're like you're like prince of the palace. You play in golf. You're you're you're, you're a member of a country club. They pay all of that. Yeah. Um, you're, you're taking, you're hunting and fishing, and you know you're just you're just like entertaining. You're doing a lot of entertaining. Yeah. You know? They never question how much money you spend. You go to a girly club and you spend a ton of money in there. Nobody. Bats and I, you know, you do all that stuff. And then, but, you know, even that gets old. But, but in that situation, I was looking at it. What got me through it, every time I was going to a new location, before I left my apartment, I would get on my knees and I would pray to God and ask him to protect me. Okay. I mean, it was like, I mean, if I didn't, there have been times that... I've turned around and gone back to my apartment and got on my knees and prayed. Yeah. I say, God, you know, because I knew that, first of all, when you leave, you don't know when you're coming home, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on where they are and what they're doing on the on the location. And then you're you're constantly, I mean, this is the 70s. Yeah. And in, in many cases, you know, I was the first black mud engineer they've ever seen. I mean, they're after me. There were a few that they hired, but before me, there was only one or two. And so the one or two that were before me, 
uh, didn't last very long. Craig you know? apparently did not last. Yeah, yeah. One guy named Craig, and he was he was uh, uh, he was a biology major and chemistry minor too. I would have been like Craig but, and been like, forget you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. I mean, you know. And then I got to looking at it, and I got tired. Honestly, and truly, I started looking for another job. I got. I mean, it got to a point where I just said, you know what? They ain't never going to move me anywhere because I saw people moving up kind of mm-hmm. like in your what we were talking about yeah and i just said you know it's time for me to and lo and behold um i was interviewing with the company the guy i was interviewing with called my boss and asked me what kind of hand i was and i go in and, and pete wickland who was the guy that was my boss uh wickland says i understand you're interviewing for a job with amico wheel What's that about? Oh, I said, oh, Mr. Wicklin, that's just a mistake. I'm not, I'm, I would never leave y'all. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> I, not until I get another job. Because, <laughs> you know, I didn't have any money saved. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to lose my little my little car, my little cutlass I had, you know. Oh, not the cutty, the cutlass yeah, supreme. I, yeah, the cutlass supreme. Yeah, I didn't want to lose my stuff, you know, so I I had to work. You know, wasn't anybody going to get me anything you know mm-hmm. who's gonna bail me i'm gonna go back to san antonio i didn't want to do that hell i hated that i didn't want to do that i hated the notion of it so anyway uh right after that it seemed like everything started changing mm-hmm. uh, i started getting you know interviews and then finally they called me one day and says um they want to talk to you in houston and I had a, I guess he was kind of like a Dutch uncle to me. His name was uh, J.W. Cheney. J.W., for three years I was working in that region, in that district. J.W. never said a word to me. Didn't say Jack. I'd walk in a room, he'd walk out or wouldn't say nothing. And then one day, all of a sudden, it's like, he put his arms around my shoulder and says, why don't you ride with me to Houston? I want to introduce you to some people. I said, what? I was kind of surprised. Like, is this you? (laughs) And he he was kind of like, he was kind of like the old sage guy that he he was a mud engineer and he didn't want to do anything else but run mud. And, but he was just, he was solid. Everybody respected him. Yeah. And, and, and for him to do that. So he took me to the area office and introduced me to everybody in that office. Everybody knew him. Sponsor in today's corporate landscape. Yeah. Yeah. That was my sponsor. And usually sponsors, it's like, it's quiet, but no, he was like, no, I'm going to show you around. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, the next thing I know, he put some words in for me and, you know, and I asked him one day on, the you know we were driving back i said uh, i said jw for a long time you never you never even spoke to me he says you know now you're you're taking an interest in me what's 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 up he said well i did screw over him one time on a job yeah. <laughs> i let him sit out there overnight i was supposed to relieve him i didn't so he never spoke to me for almost three years but <laughs> then he told me he said he said i didn't know you were going to stay he said if you if you know she said that um I put a lot of time and energy into training these guys, and they quit. Mm. He said, I, before I spent any more time with you, I had to be sure you planned to stay. Mm. And he helped me get my, my promotion. Praise God. God did it, too. But, you know, he did it most all of it. But but he did it with my – Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He, so I, I interviewed for this job, 
and they said, he explained to me, he said, now this is a high-profile job, Will. You know, it's going to be a lot of people, you know, looking at you. And uh, you're going to, every trainee that comes into the company, you're going to be involved in training them. And uh, so, you know, so I'm sitting there and these guys are acting like I'm not even there. One of them says to the other one, well, he sounds like he talks okay. <laughs> oh, no, they then they said, uh, they said, Will, can you can you excuse us for a minute? And they shut then I went outside and they talked it over. And there's a guy, the guy that was in charge of human resources, his name was Tom Luke. And Tom Luke was uh he was old even then. But he ran, he was president of human resources, and he was the kingmaker. Nobody got a promotion without going through an assessment with Tom Luke. Mm. He graduated from University of Texas, and the company bought him a Cadillac and all this and that. So back in those days, the company was spending money like water. And they gave all these, everybody that was president, vice president, whatever department got a Cadillac. Mm. Luke had had a Cadillac. So anyway, he's in there. And he was really one of these hardcore guys. Only difference between him and Bo Bradley is that he had a college education. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, them the worst so I come, ones. So I, I went back. <laughs> they called me back in, and they said, "Well, well, well, well. Uh, here's the job. You'll make this amount of money." And uh, when can you start? I said, well, I can start as soon as possible. So they gave me the job. They uh, packed up my furniture, moved me to Houston, put me, I, I, I rented an apartment on the uh, southwest side of town, down there off of, um, was it, Gessner? Yeah, you know where that's at. Was it the popping area like it kind of was? Yeah, that was, at that that in area the 2000s, was. 2000s, <laughs> Right. In 1973, it was 1977. That was the area. That was the new, all the apartments were brand new. Oh, yeah. That was like was the Midtown. Under, yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, so I got that. Or no, that. now they call a new section Edo. East Downtown is now Edo. Craziness. Uh-huh. Foolishness, yeah. gentrification, yeah. terrible. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so we moved there. And then uh, about a couple of, you know, I was, I was, I had everything just the way I wanted. I had my big stereo set. I had, had a fireplace downstairs. I had a loft apartment with the bed upstairs and, and this and that. And, 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 you know, I, I, I looked at myself and this was like, this is like the summer of 1977. You know, I looked at myself and I said, you know, I'm tired of all this. Mm. You know, I'm tired of just doing this stuff, going out partying, chasing girls and all this kind of stuff and women. I said, it's time for me to settle down. Wait, okay. So, we got to pause because this, this is next episode content. Um, wow. where it, okay. Next episode okay. is How I Met Your Mother. So wait, just let's just pause. We're getting how, close to How old were you when you had this epiphany of I want to settle down? When was you were? Tw- I was 27. 27. Okay, so I think that's modern day 32. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 35 maybe um in in certain markets so let let's let's okay so you you went through some some 
you went through some shit with white people. But then, of course, during your time of life, I'm sure that there was pleasant stuff, but we're not going to focus on that. Uh, <laughs> not, not this month. Um, but fast forward, right, to you've been living in Lubbock for how long now? Oh, gee, I came out here in 1990. So what is that? 10, almost 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. It'd be 30 years in June. June the 5th would be 30 years. And I'm just curious. I don't know this answer. Why did you go to Lubbock? Wow. That's, that's or is that, really good. Is, is it deep? Cause, or I don't know. Like I was, that is, yeah, that's, that's okay. That's well, really we'll deep, just, but, we won't go to yeah. Lubbock. We won't go to why, but like, let's just say like you, you went to Lubbock and Lubbock is mm. what, can you describe like the population? Like, is it very overwhelmingly okay. white? Yeah, well, Lubbock is, when I first got here, <laughs> Lubbock is about 200,000 people. Okay. They've got Texas Tech University here. Um, of the population, I would say it's six, maybe six or seven percent African American. I'd probably say maybe 30 percent Latino. And then I would say it's about 60 percent or 70 percent. Uh, white. Now the Hispanic population may be higher, but I, I, I you know, I'm not. Yeah, sure but overall, that. it's overwhelmingly white. And then, well, let me not. You yeah. know, I know that's majority. Five. Yeah, majority and white. And then, right. There's a solid Hispanic population, and there's like a trickling of others, black people being right. in the others. Okay, right. So we won't talk about like why you necessarily moved there yet, but you've stayed there. And I know like right. now, of yeah. course, you want to stay because you have your business, you have your clients, like in order to like uproot, like that'd be really disruptive to your business. And like right now you're like, you know, doing really well. So I totally get you staying there. But like in the rough times, because you've alluded to the fact that you had checks at zero, um, you know, it could have been like where you could have moved somewhere else. So like, yeah. what? I mean, maybe not financially. I mean, maybe you really couldn't move, but like, um, and maybe because Lubbock's cost of living, but like you, you, at, at certain point you decided to stay before you like were really had to stay. Um, right. um why? <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, well, it was part of it had to do with, uh, you know, I was, I was in this ministry mm-hmm. and that's, that was the anchor to holding me here initially. Okay. And then when I broke from the ministry, that ministry, um, then it became a question of economics. You know, it became a question of, um, okay, you sit down, can I, can I regroup somewhere else? And what would I lose in the process? And what would I keep? And to me, and it's something I've prayed about. I, I remember in my my second marriage, Mike's wife used to ask me all the time. She says, "You know, you got a master's degree. Why don't you get another job? You're not making any money." And my answer to her was, "You know, God didn't show me anything else." So, you know, I sort of plugged along and plugged along and plugged along, and I was waiting, you know, uh, for for God to say something to me to give me some some semblance of of guidance because to me you know i was so used to doing things my way mm-hmm. and you know in 1988 i decided that 
you know, God's the greatest. And let's let God, let's do the right things. Because, you know, like I kind of described to you, my, my life, yeah, it had some ups and downs, but it wasn't anything that was, I always thought of myself being blessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, I mean, I, even those nightmarish places I've been offshore working in the seas and all that kind of stuff, uh, working up there in East Texas, I always thought I was sort of protected and God showed his grace on me. But um, and he gave me grace. And I thought it was time. It's, there was going to be a time when I'd have to kind of stand up and answer for all that. So that made me susceptible, that whole mindset of paying God back or being right with God, you know, getting right with God, that whole thing made me susceptible mm-hmm. and uh, kept me tied to, to Lubbock during those years. Okay. So, um, so, okay. So you understood like the ministry and all that got you tied to Lubbock. So mm-hmm. let's even talk about more recently, like you're, you alluded to the fact that you were president and you, you know, got it from basically zero to hero, your organization or the organization mm-hmm. rather. So that means you had mm-hmm. to get elected. That means people like felt trust in you. And then I'm like, right now you're managing, I think you said like 39 mil. Um, I'm assuming based on the population, you just broke down that a lot of those folks were white people. So you're having, these white people in Lubbock, Texas, like entrusting you and you're able to kind of like navigate and flex and still do well. So like, I don't know, I guess it's just like, what do you think it's, you've been able, like, how do you, what it is, what is it about you that you think you've been able to fare well in this like very like white kind of environment environment and world and not even just white but like Lubbock Texas white so <laughs> panhandle <laughs> you know, the- white. but I mean at the same time it all boils down but like it's different types of white Lubbock Texas white I don't I'm it's not the most I've seen a lot of diversity kind of white well it's it's conservative yeah it's like a very conservative group yeah i mean i admit that i mean it's it's like when i when i when i come to houston it's like wow this is different and then when i go to san antonio you'll be blown away (laughs) for real yeah i mean yeah yeah so but but uh so what makes me you know i've just i've just i guess you know you know growing i mean my experiences i think all led to this point where um, I remember when I was in, we were in Fort Knox, living there. I mean, I was uh, a member of the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, and and uh, and uh, I was on the baseball teams and this and that. And then when I was in high school, and, and some of the guys I actually was in an elementary school with, I, I actually ran into later in life, and. You know, I don't know. I've just been able to get along with people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I just, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I, uh, my approach is just, you know, I, I'm going to be myself. And I'm, 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 I'm just going to be myself. I'm, you know, we'll, we'll respect one another. We'll speak to each other like people, you know, men. Uh, 
And I've just I've just never had a problem with that. I mean, for the most part. Now I'm not saying everybody loves Will Carter. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that probably, you know, who's this dude? You know, like the man who ain't help you out that didn't get the trophy. You know, he didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, right, right, but I mean, he was he was nullified, so you know, and you know how to you know how to either engage people or just leave them alone, you know. Right. So, so that that was part of that, and then, uh, and just knowing how to how to how to talk to people, and and it's just like with you, I see you have similar people skills. I you know? I'm learning that more and more, and I think like. Um, I had to get in, get, I have to just always get out of my own way from just letting me rock. Like you said, like you said that you just, you just are you. Um, so I think like now in my life, I'm like really loving being just me or like doing it more and more. But I will say that sometimes like I don't love big crowds and stuff like that. But anyway, outside of that, um, I'm, I love that I'm like growing more and more and like being myself and no matter what the space it may be. I mean, granted you have to kind of flex every once in a while, but wow. um, mm. for the most part, I do feel like I'm bringing me mm. into the different places that I go and when I meet people and stuff like that, which has been mm. really well, refreshing I, I, I and nice. You, and and yeah, to your I, point, I, I do have mm. a lot of different friends from a lot of different backgrounds. Like I, mm-hmm. um, from different economic backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, ethnic, mm-hmm. like all sorts of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I do feel like there's a part of me that can be really adaptable. But then sometimes I'm like, was that, is my ability to be adaptable, Has was that born out of feeling the need, feeling like I had mm-hmm. to adapt? Like, I don't know. Like, it's this whole like thing. Like, is it just that I'm naturally can just connect with people or did I like build this skill for survival for like going like mm. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Well, you know, I, I I was just looking at and it, see the funny thing about it, I have an advantage of of knowing me and what I've been through and watching you. You know, and I'll, I'll give you some similar skills. You know, when you were president of your business club there at University of Houston, you know, um I thought about that and said, wow, that's, you know, that's really, that's really wonderful. You know, um, I remember when I got my second promotion, I got several promotions with NL Industries, with Bayroy. Um, when I met your mother, you know, I was this uh, trainer. I taught marketing, sales and marketing. I taught MUD school and I taught sales and marketing. And I mean, that was a real push. I mean, I had to just... I had to kind of fake it for a while. I mean, until I had to, I had to cram, I had to, I had to go through a cram session about business because my major, my undergraduate was biology, chemistry minor, and so I had to, I had to sit down and really on my own, you know, teach myself marketing principles and you know, uh, marketing textbooks and stuff and had to learn that stuff and then had to go to seminars. They actually sent me some seminars, uh, a couple of them up in Chicago, one in San Francisco. So the company invested money into bringing me up to speed where I could do things, you know, because uh, I, I would say the company wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like the company you work for where you got MBAs from, from, 
Harvard and stuff like that. That came later. You know, they started infiltrating the corporation with Harvard MBAs and Duke MBAs and all this. But initially, it was just a bunch of good old boys. Mm. You know, the guy that uh, could uh, could uh, BS the loudest and all that got promoted. Or, you know, if he looked a certain way, he got a promotion. You know, um, I was in one area, then I had to sort of re- reinvent myself to fit in in a different area. So going from the field to being a, a mud instructor was not a hard, difficult transition because I, I was basically teaching people what I had learned. But then when I got promoted or changed over to marketing development, then I did that for three years. And that's the time in which I you know, met your mom and, and all that. And then I became manager of the group. And then I became sales manager. And then I circled back around and moved back to Houston, your mom and me and your sister. And I became a salesman, which is what I asked for in the first place, mm-hmm. which, was a, which, which was a great job. But after a while, you don't like the job because it's like, like I said, it's too much candy for a dime. I mean, it was, I was doing everything and it was, it was killing my spirit because I was hanging out at night and uh, going to these different clubs and doing hunting trips and this and that and all this and that. And you always have to be very careful with people when they start drinking, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, then, you know, if you get in trouble with alcohol, they don't fire you. All they do is dry you out and put you back out there because they put all this money into you knowing people. Yeah. So your relationships and connections become a valuable commodity. Mm. So it's, it's you know, it was, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's been an interesting life. And then suddenly to go from all the comforts of life, then to come out here to Lubbock, Texas, and for 25 years go through, and we'll talk about that more. And that was all tied to this this fake ministry, yeah. you know, so, so that's, that's the thing we'll talk about, but, well, uh, um, okay. but I, I, I watch you, you know, like I say, I watch you and I see, uh, you know, you see I, elements I, of yourself in me. I, yeah. I see Will Carter's kid and I'm glad you're not as, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm glad you're not as, I'm scared about I, that under this conversation. Yeah. yeah I said, I said, it's like, you know, Mothers hide your sons. No, yeah, well, no, <laughs> but see, I'm glad that is tempered with good common sense, which I didn't have. I, I see, have back common in my, sense. I do. Yeah. See, daddy didn't have all that. You know, daddy just, and you're, case, you're but, all testosterone yeah. up and like, yeah, Will yeah. Carter, look at my pad. Let me, <laughs> oh man, I cannot wait to dive in more into that topic. Um, well, and others. Well, oh, that's, that's, let, hey, that's what got you here. So, I mean, that's never mind. We won't talk about that. Anyway, okay. but well, I think I, I think you know the story about how me and your mom. No, 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 no. Okay, so that's what that's what next episode's about. Okay, so are you yeah. done? Do you are there? Before I go into rapid fire questions, do you have any burning? You love a story, no. and nothing. You no. you feel like I feel like you've taken us through a journey. You've taken us kind of through your upbringing and set that stage. You know, growing up on the army base from it being like. You know, you having that that issue. But then at the same time, I thought it was quite interesting that you were able to have a bit of an oasis in Kentucky. Like no one would have really thought about like 
you just being able to just jump around in the swimming pool in the fifties. Okay, no, yeah. no, 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 don't talk. Don't, yeah, yeah. don't, don't break into story mm. yet. Uh, we're mm. wrapping up. We're wrapping up. Okay, <laughs> okay no more yeah. stories. Okay. Okay. I love your stories, but we have many episodes to do, and you can't be giving out all the good content. So anyway, um, we you took us through that. Then we got a glimpse into this PV life and and understanding that there was a sense of family there that like the the guy that you talked about in the first episode hooked you up with the financial aid and everything. Clearly, you enjoyed the sisters. Um, and then, you know, then just East Texas and onward. And now you're in Lubbock and you're being able to thrive and do well. Um, so, yeah, I was just thank you for taking me through that and i guess the listeners too just some you know since it's black history month i just want to end it on a key on oh hold on yeah i just want to end it on a little light note we're gonna just do a little rapid fire questions um if you had to watch one black tv sitcom for the rest of your life what would you choose oh wow yeah Oh, I would probably say that's a good question because there was one show and I I don't think what you, what the show was about is about the person. What came top of mind? But the, we got, we're closing up the Cosby show. Okay. Cosby. Oh yeah. No, you can still, I mean, honestly, yeah, man, yeah, we are not Cosby about show. to have him granted. It's so yeah. much of him, but there was an ensemble cast and it was a good show. It was a yeah. good show. Um, and, uh, the other one would be Different World. Okay. Um, yeah. This question, Good Times or The Jeffersons? Uh, for balance, I would say Good Times. Okay. Oh, my God. Mommy hated The Good Times. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. What, did she like Jeffersons? I don't know. But okay. I know when I used to uh, put on The Good Times during UPN, she'd be walking around like... I don't like the good time. Like, you know, cause it's hella depressing. Um, and then it just yeah. takes her back to that time and that space. She doesn't mm. really want to go there. So anyway, um, fried catfish or fried whiting. I don't like, I don't like catfish. Mm. Uh, catfish is not seafood. Okay. Uh, what is it then? It's a deceit. <laughs> no, it ain't. It comes out of a pond on the bottom. It's not, it's not, it, there's 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 certain kinds of fish that you're supposed to you can eat fish that have scales and fins. Catfish well, don't have scales. Oh, it is no. smooth. Oh, <laughs> and it it has fins, but it doesn't have scales. Oh my gosh, I've been bamboozled. I like I've been eating catfish all my life because of the gold. It's not that. I mean, when you season it well and hard fry it, it's okay. But it's not a it's not a clean fish. I mean, Papado serves it. <laughs> I know. I, oh. I eat it. Oh, I, I eat it, but I mean, I just, I've just, my taste for it has changed. Okay. I mean, my taste for a lot of foods have changed. Okay. Grits. Do you prefer them? Do you think they should be sweet or savory? Sugar or salt? I think or- I used to eat them with sugar, but I've never, I've never, I haven't eaten grits in years. You used to Mother eat used to them with butter. sugar? With sugar and butter, butter and sugar. Oh, you lost me. This is worse than you not disclosing your political views. Okay, so. (laughs) 
what would you eat them with? I um, mean, I know they come with just plain. I mean, I really uh, butter and then a little salt just to enhance yeah. the flavor. I don't do sugar grits. Like if you want sugar, do that with your cream of wheat, not with the grits. Oh, that's how we. That okay, your grandmother. Maybe a little cheese too, if you're really feeling broke. No, no, I don't. I really don't eat grits. Okay, that's fair. That's not my favorite cereal. Okay, that's hot cereal. Okay, well this this has been fun. I've had a great time. Um, listeners, if you have listened this long, you really enjoy this. Because so, <laughs> 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 we've been talking. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to the second episode of Father Figuring. Um, the next episode I'm really excited about. It will be um, coming up pretty soon before Will Carter makes his way to San Francisco for his vacation. And, and I will have plenty. Of, I will have plenty of time on my hands. So anyway, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the next episode. Will be called um, "How I Met Your Mother," and so there, you will tell me in grave detail. Well, not too much detail, but we got two topics to hit on, um, and you get to talking. So we will talk about how you met mommy. And, you know, the good times, if you will. And then the second half of the conversation, we'll we'll double click into something we kind of talked about today, which was um, your the candidacy. And we're going to dig in more. We talked about like what the definition of a candidate is. But now I want to you to define like kind of prioritize the characteristics or the qualities that you would want in a partner of mine, like a husband of mine, like a long term. Because I'm not like just dating for the sake of dating. I'm dating to get to know somebody so that they can be my husband. So I would love to understand your perspective, especially given your past history of what you mm. really think <laughs> I really need to oh, look okay. for in a okay. man. And so that's your homework is to think about those traits, attributes, whatever. Um, you know, I don't want to give you guardrails. I would say anywhere from like five to 10, anything more than 10, I think is a bit much. Well, no, I mean, I don't, but like for the podcast I do. So, um, yeah, and then like you don't have to like super rank them, but you know, kind of have some like order to it too. So that's your homework. Your homework. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good, baby. And um, listeners, thank you, and we will see you really soon. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, wait, and don't leave yet because y'all need to go and like. Tell your friends. If you're entertained, we got two episodes. You have a good flavor of us. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Uh, follow us on Instagram. I'm going to get the website up. I know I need a website, um, but in due time. But for now, follow us on the gram. Father.figuring. Father.figuring. Bye. Bye.